right, welcome to the Grow to Amazing podcast. This is Tony Mays, your host. I am very excited today to have a guy uh, on the podcast that I've used as inspiration. He is part of a company called Echelon Front. His name is Jason Gardner, and he is a former U.S. Navy SEAL, uh, Master Chief, and enlisted leader within the Navy SEAL uh, 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 group within the Navy. He is a combat leader, leadership instructor with, the, with Echelon Front and speaker. He spent nearly three decades in the, in the SEAL teams with nine deployments across the globe. He worked alongside uh, some of the other figures that I've talked about in the podcast of Jocko Willink, Leif Babin, uh, and several other members of the Echelon Front team. Uh, you have now retired from the Navy and you've moved your family to far northern Montana, right, I believe? Uh, northeastern Washington. <laughs> northeastern Washington. Okay, close. But how far from the Canadian border are you actually? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. <laughs> so it's you're well into fall now then, I take it. Yeah. Uh, you know. Or not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, it's like 88 degrees here. I actually really enjoy the fall, but uh, okay. fall's definitely coming because all of the the stink bugs, which are like these little beetles, are trying to get in the house right now. So they know something <laughs> that we don't. Yeah. Coming. Yeah. So you are, you must be east of the coast range, but then west of the Rockies, yep. right? So, you know, yeah, I'm right. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, kind of in the northeastern corner of Washington, two and a half hours north of Spokane, not okay. that far away from Idaho. Okay. So we got very different weather and very different politics on this side of the state. Yeah, I can bet. I can imagine. So Jason, tell me a little bit about, uh, I've listened to a lot of the podcasts you've been guests on, so I'm not going to try to rehash all of that. You've been on Jocko's podcast multiple times. I just listened to the one you did with Jack Carr and, and that was great. And you've had your wife Iris on there as well. And, and I think both of your stories are incredible stories to hear. Uh, but what got you, uh, you know, what got you going, you know, you're originally from San Clemente, California, I believe, right? Uh, mm-hmm. what got you interested in, in the Navy SEALs as a career originally? So I, I initially I was going to join the Marine Corps cause my dad was a Marine and at mm-hmm. seven is when I just decided that I was going to go into the military. Mm-hmm. And initially the plan is I'd laid it out in my head as a seven-year-old, um, was, that I was going to go in the military and then after that, find some kind of job outside where it's like a forester or a biologist or something working in nature. And then I I wound up kind of just getting stuck in the military because I liked it. (laughs) Uh, But um, I was, there was a martial art that I was taking called Kajikempo, which is kind of a hybrid that steals from a, doesn't steal, but takes the good things, leaves the bad. A bunch of other martial arts. Uh, And one of my instructors was a SEAL in Vietnam. And so when my parents found this out, they were super impressed. And I had no idea what to make of it. I'm like, what (laughs) what is even a SEAL? Because, you know, at the time, no one one knew what SEALs were. Sure. And so... This was pre-Charlie Sheen, I'm assuming, or something like that. So Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, we're we're talking back in the 80s, right? Yep. Uh, Yep. And, uh, and I mean, early 80s, 83, 84 mm-hmm. time frame. And so then as I started to look at what the SEALs did, and I played water polo, I was a lifeguard. And, and so I, uh, the, the concept of being a maritime in a maritime special force was super appealing. Sure. Like, are you kidding me? I, I have to work around the water and, and, and do stuff like that. You get, you get paid so, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me <clears throat> up for that. 
So that was a, was a shift. Mm-hmm. And then once I started to, to, to pull the string on that, I found out that, okay, by my junior year in high school, I decided this is what I want to do. Sure. And then that was my focus. And I enlisted in the Navy straight out of high school. Um, well, actually I worked as a lifeguard for a summer and then when everyone went back to school in September, I enlist, I, I went in the Navy, but I did that delayed enlistment program. Okay. And I did, uh, I did boot camp, which mm-hmm. really I didn't have a guarantee of going seals until I went to boot camp and screened in yeah. boot camp. We do a screening and there were some things that I did to let up to ensure that I would have the best chance to make it to our selection course. One was I chose a rate, which was gunner's mate, okay. which was the source rating to go to the SEAL teams. Um, so there's only certain ratings that, that are applic- or eligible to, to go to SEAL training. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Back so then anyway. If you're, in yeah. a, if you're in a critical rating, the Navy's like, no, we're not letting you go. Like gotcha. if I become a, an ET or one of the other ratings mm-hmm. that the Navy had a critical need for, they're not going to let you leave and go to the SEAL teams. Sure. Um, so, so I chose gunner's mate as a source rating. And then I was physically able to pass the test, mm-hmm. did that, went to gunner's mate, a school, which was six months long. And then after the a school, I got orders to go to uh, seal training. And so I was I'd been in the Navy about eight months when I checked into base gunner water demolition school, um and now if you hear if you hear Jocko talk about buds he kind of doesn't poo-poo it he doesn't he you know he doesn't dismiss it that it was tough you know it's you're wet and sandy basically is that did you feel do you feel kind of the same way about it of of or was there more of a mental game you had to play to get through it no there was no mental game for me I was either going to die there or I was going to graduate sure and and so that was that was the parameters I put myself in, um, and luckily, my well my body did break, but not enough to where I was going to roll back. Like uh, when I was in the right after the fourteen mile timed run, uh-huh. which is the last timed evolution that you have in in base gun water demolition school, um, yeah, I. Uh, my legs were hurting me so bad. I, I went and saw the, do- the doctors at that point. Um, and they x-rayed my, my shins and, and, and I had stress, stress fractures. fractures in both of them. Sure. And so the doc is like, well, I'm going to roll you back. You have stress fractures. And I, and I, I said to him, well, and, and roll it back means that you go back to the next class and start over in that third phase. I said, well, why would you do that to me? I just completed the 14 mile timed run. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, yeah okay you're good to go and he just put me on a walking <laughs> for two weeks um for for the remainder of until we graduated which was which was nice um, so where do you where do you think that determination to to finish you know or die trying is that just that's just what you decided when you went in and you weren't gonna i'm just off? i'm just stubborn i'm just stubborn <laughs> and i had told I had told so many people that that's what I wanted to do. And that, that was yeah. my focus. I figured if, if I didn't make it, I could never go home. Yep. yep. Um, and so. Was your dad a Vietnam vet as well? No, no, no. Okay. My dad, uh, my dad was, was uh, a JAG officer in the Marine Corps and, and, okay. and 
but over the course of his service, he didn't go to Vietnam. Okay. So, so anyway, so that, that was it. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't so, I mean, I didn't think my parents would quit loving me. It was like more of the people in my community. I was like, everybody knew that this is what I wanted to do. They'd see me running down the beach in jungle boots and at, at five in the morning, trying sure. to get ready for training. And, um, there isn't, there's an, always an aspect when you go to try something like that, there's folks waiting to see you fail. And I was not about to give them the <laughs> action of seeing them fail. So it was just like, yep, I'm either going to die here. And that that's, and that I, I, it is so stinking hard. That's the attitude that you have to have in order yeah. to make it through. Um, yep. You know, you, you, you listen to like the one podcast Jocko had Drago on there, which is, which is a, he's a Polish fella and he actually mm-hmm. spent time in a gulag and he's done stuff that was harder than buds. And for him, I, I, it wasn't as challenging because he'd already had that gnarly experience. So here's Jocko's thing. It's like, when you get into the teams, you will have all kinds of times when you're more tired, you're colder, you're hungrier, the suck factor is way higher than it was in buds. So most of us that have had a long career in the SEAL teams, we really don't want to talk about buds that much because it's not really yeah. like an apex experience for us. Yep. Yep. And I don't want to obsess over it either. So absolutely. But, but, but it's interesting conversation. People want to know what it, what it takes to make it through the gate. Yeah. Um, and what it takes fundamentally is like, Hey, I am not, I, I wasn't going to quit or I was going to die. And then the other aspect that it takes is having your eye on that goal, which is a long-term strategic goal. And then mm-hmm. worrying about one step at a time. Yeah. And it get, it literally gets down to that point in hell week where it's not a matter of, so it, it starts, well, Hey, I'm just going to make it to the next meal. Sure. And then it starts, it, there are points where it's like, I'm just going to get, my left foot in front of my right and my right foot in front of my left. And that's all I'm worried about. And mm. that's all I'm going to make it through. You, mm. you, know, you know, it gets that granular. Um, and you can some kind of look inside yourself a lot at that point, I would imagine. And, uh, yeah, but when you're looking down, it's not yeah. as overwhelming a decision as, sure. you know, how we six weeks into training. And so you still have, you know, four plus months, <laughs> To, to make it to graduation. And if you're looking at that, it's going to completely overwhelm you. Yeah. But yeah. If, if you focus like, Hey, this is the direction, that's the direction I'm going. And I just need to move yep. one foot from the other. Then that's, that's good to go. Awesome. Awesome. So after that, you, you had another 20 years in the Navy, uh, 20 plus years. How many years total did you have in the Navy? 30. 30. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, that's awesome. So thank you for all of that. And you deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan or just, or. Yep. Both places, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, what would you say if you had to, if you had to like capture a few lessons that you had learned out of that, what would you, what are your top three things that you could think of out of, out of that experience that, uh, that you could put together? Is there anything you can, any way you can simplify experience? Yeah. 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 Humility. Humility. You got to be humble. The second, and here's what's great about the battlefield is Darwinism is happening really <laughs> fast. The second that you think you know everything that's going on is when you will die yeah. or get severely wounded. And so there's like, there's that picture up. That was my troop in Afghanistan, the picture behind me. 
they, for a while, we were just crushing the Taliban every time we engaged them. And I started as a leader, I started to get arrogant and I started to get complacent and I lost my sense of humility. And then there was one operation when we got caught with our pants down. Uh-huh almost literally. I mean, we decided it was getting hot out and we decided to take off our helmet and body armor. We didn't think the Taliban was going to come out and fight that day. And then they did and they brought it and we're real lucky we didn't get overrun. And there was a point in there where I was laying flat on my belly on top of my body armor and helmet that had been lazy and took off. And I was looking up at this rock wall over my head that, that we built our fighting position. And I'm it, and it's, 10 inches above my head and I'm Uh watching it physically erode under the impact of bullets. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I am going to get shot today. And I'm probably, and I don't know how I get, if I do, when I do get shot, I don't know how it isn't more than once. And I'm probably going to die here. Check. And then what's, let me get my body armor back on, body armor back on, get my helmet back on my head and, and keep fighting. So humility is, is huge. Um, there's a stoic saying, and it's like, you can't learn things about things you already know. Mm-hmm. And so if you assume you already know things and you just quit, you quit growing as a person. And sure. I think we can all agree that it's impossible to know everything. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of like all, bringing in the stoic philosophy and things like that. Did, were you a student of that kind of stuff while you were in the Navy or was that more later in your career? Yeah. All that stuff came later. Later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the what the the book that really opened my potential for personal growth was uh, extreme ownership. Yeah. Everything else, everything else up until that, I was just reactive. I was just doing stuff and getting by. But mm-hmm. you know, extreme ownership came up right when I promoted out of the tactical levels of leadership into the executive levels of leadership. Sure. And it really opened my eyes to thinking about leadership, thinking about. And you knew, you knew Jocko before, I mean, you knew Jocko and Leif before the book came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I read it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I I wouldn't have read it if, if I didn't know them. I I met Jocko in 1993 and uh, um, I was at uh, SEAL team three with them in Uh that 2005 2006 deployment i was just over in a different task unit i wasn't in task unit bruiser yeah but and and i'll tell you self-improvement books or self-help books are something that i didn't read up until then up until then the only things that i really read would be like some history and mostly science fiction and fantasy (laughs) jason we have more in common than you think because until my second wife and i i used to laugh at my second wife because when we when we got together and got married, all of the books on her shelf were self-help books and all the books on my, on my shelf were exactly what you just mentioned, history and science fiction and fantasy. So, but now it's, it's flipped around. And I think, you know, Extreme Ownership was one of those books for me too. I had somebody recommend his podcast and then I went back and started unraveling everything. But um, my first marriage was a lot of me passing the buck on blame and things like that and not taking responsibility for what I was doing. And, and I am just lucky that my second wife stuck around long enough for me to transform some of those things. So I don't know if you have a similar feeling to that. <laughs> yeah. hundred hundred percent agree. Um, you know, uh, I, I listen to 
I don't have time to sit down and read. I just don't. Until winter time, when the days are shorter, I'm out doing things. And so I listen to Audible. I used to have a long commute because we lived in East County, San Diego, where we had a farm. And then I had to do an hour and 10 minute commute into work. Um, And so I would just devour, devour uh, or started uh, podcasts. And uh, so the long form podcasts were easy for me to listen to, you know, it was nothing to finish Jocko's podcast in three days or two days. Um, And then uh, I'd listen to extreme ownership on audible. And then I remember coming, I remember this like it was yesterday and uh, Iris was out running the rototiller in the yard, tilling up a spot and I just got home from work and she goes, Hey, did you know that Jocko has got a podcast? And I said, no. And she goes, it's really good. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And she goes, do you even know what podcasts are? And I said, no, she goes, give me your phone. So she, she takes my phone and downloads the pod or the podcast apps already on it with iPhones. And then she just gets me a subscription to Jocko podcast. I started listening then and there, and then um, just, just, just been podcasts are great in general, uh, yeah. and, and so I've been on this path since then, since somewhere, you know, it's like 2000, gosh, when was it? Because you were still, I mean, you were, you were probably active duty. Jocko had been out for a couple of years, so. Yeah, Jocko had been out for five years, and I was the ops master chief at So you're just a little busy. Just a little busy to promote into the command master chief of SEAL team five slot. Yeah. Awesome. So you're just a little busy. Didn't really have time to probably keep up with Jocko and what he was doing a whole lot at the time or. or... Jocko just isn't that way. Yeah. He's never calling you unless there's something going (laughs) on. You have to call him to to interact with him. So I would see Jocko because we were family friends. I saw him at least twice a year. Sure. Uh, Sure. And maybe, maybe even actually a little more than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, on my place in East County, San Diego, I had a, a range. So I had a 200 yard range and a pistol range. Gotcha. And so they could just, instead of having to go to a private range, they'd come out to my place and shoot. Yeah. Well, that know? sounds like happen. Yeah. Especially in California to be able to have your own <laughs> private range. I mean, that, yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. It was the, the area that we lived in was super cool because, um, Every, that's what everybody did. Everyone shot on their property. So it wasn't like folks got hysterical. So when you started, when you started looking at extreme ownership, how did that change the way you approached either your job, your marriage, your kids, yourself? I mean, that kind of thing. I mean, was that kind of a well, transformative fundamentally, thing? It, yeah. it forces you to stop casting blame <clears throat> yep. and making excuses and going, okay, how can I be part of the solution here? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that is not an easy, cause it, it means that you got to check your ego, but yep. your life is so much better in so many ways. So it's one of those things where you can't like, you don't get immediate gratification, but it's coming and it's, it's huge. So that's, that's, that's it. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, well, if I'm having this issue or Iris and I are having a disagreement, maybe I need to step back and, and, look at it from her end or you know maybe i'm just communicating this incorrectly Mm -hmm. sure sure and with your kids did it change things with them as well like how you deal with your kids 
We, yeah, there were a lot of things that that came across with that. Uh, one of the other things too is my struggles with PTSD, and um, you know, I had a I had a, a temper that was like a millisecond, and it would get set off, and and so I started going to well after my Afghanistan deployment, I started going to counseling with one of the military psychologists. Yeah, I've seen a couple yeah. of pictures that you posted about that, you know, with your thousand mile, thousand yard stare going on. Kind oh, of thing. Yeah, I was wrecked after that deployment. Yeah. Wrecked. Uh, and. So you said you started counseling. I was not a good person. Yeah. So I started, yeah. I, I, I was just like, Hey, you're not the same person that left in this deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, you, your temper just, you, you got to start sitting down with the psych. So I did. And then that's something I continue to do. Um, for a while. And, you know, one of the, the things that I really had to work on was controlling my temper. And, and then, you know, coming home and, 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 you know, I drive home from a long day at work, the kids are running around the house, the house, maybe their toys are out and everything, and they're being loud, but they're just being kids. I shouldn't just yeah. start yelling at everybody the second I get home from work, but that's what I was doing. So, you know, when you're introspective about your parenting, and you think about it from a level of extreme ownership, then you step away from that anger because anger is a manifestation of weakness, period. If you're losing your temper, you're weak. And it was quite a revelation to have that. And it was, you know, Marcus Aurelius said that, and it's a big focus of stoicism Mm-hmm. that um, you, you, you lose your temper, then you're not in control of your emotions. And it just, it, it got to a point where it made sense to me. Uh, and then, but it's not easy. It's not mm-hmm. easy not to lose your temper. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah, you can have um, the emotion, but separating that emotion and, and you don't bury yeah. it, but you kind of try and detach yourself from it a little bit, right? Yeah, and that gives yeah. you space around it. And yeah. once you get space around it, and once you can recognize like, okay, hey, I'm getting angry about something. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do about it? Mm-hmm. No, there isn't. Most In most cases, there's not anything you can do about it. So then you got to go, well, is this worth me spiking my cortisol over? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and what everybody's got to be careful of is the media and social media is constantly poking in you in the eye, trying to get a reaction out of you mm-hmm. because that's, that's what they do. Ratings. Yep. Well, that's a, yep. They're trying to make money. It generates ratings and that's a model that works good for yep. them. And you just yep. need to raise above the model. Uh, there's a real good buddy of mine and in the, the teams and we did deployment together and it was fact it was a deployment. I went to Somalia in 1995 and yeah. he said, did this he said they're not clever enough to make me unhappy (laughs) i love that quote yeah i love that quote yeah and so anytime i i get something that's like oh this is getting this is pissing me off or that person's pissing me off or i'm getting angry i just i hear his voice billy helmer saying they're not clever enough to make me unhappy and then it helps me step back from it awesome now there are things like, hey, this doesn't mean I'm just a blob that just, yeah. do, oh, I don't care, you know, groovy, man. No, there are <laughs> things that, like, you, that may set you off, and then you're like, all right, that requires some action on my part. And maybe that yeah. action is me voting. Maybe that action is 
walking across the street to stop something that's un- unacceptable that's going on or whatever, that's fine. I yeah. can do that. I'm just not going to be angry when I do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I can detach. I can prioritize and execute and and see what 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 I need to do and get things done. Did you ever struggle? I, I noticed one of my things that I that with dealing with all of my stuff in my history is struggling with engagement with my kids, like really getting down with them and getting engaged with them on what they're doing. Is that something you ever struggled with? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because your, your ego, it's all about you. So then you'll find yourself talking at your kids all the time yeah. instead of with them. Yeah. And it's really difficult to slow down and be present in the moment. And mm-hmm. just, you know, if you're going to do something with them, let them decide what you're going to do. Yeah. Not yeah. all the time, but you know, you have to carve some time out for you just to be present with them and build Legos or pick flowers or whatever it is that they want to do with you. So you have how many kids at home still a boy and a girl or two, two girls? Or no, two? I, I have a, 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 so I have a 26 year old son in the army right now. Okay. And um, I've got a, and, and he's from a previous marriage. And then um, I've got Storm and Thor. Storm's 10 and Thor's 9. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Hey, boy. Yeah. And that's, uh, so what is your, what does your son do in the army? He's a tanker. Tanker. Okay. Awesome. Kilo. He's a okay. gunner on a M1 Abrams tank. <laughs> That yeah. would be fun to shoot one of those. I, I, but, it sure looks like a lot yeah. of fun. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I had mentioned my son is in basic right now. He's going to be a cryptologic linguist. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. So he's going to be, we're going to go, hopefully go, he's going to be out at Monterey for a year once he, once he gets done with basic. So we're going to go see him. We're actually going to be wintering in San Diego. With, uh, we're in Rhode Island right now, but in three months we're going to be in San Diego. So, um, so that'll be awesome. But yeah, Monterey is <laughs> just a terrible place to be for a year. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to make it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to awesome, be tough. Yeah, what an awesome space place. Yeah, yeah. Now that's and that's going to be interesting. Is is did your son know that he wanted to be in the military? But did he choose the army to just not do the navy because you set the bar high, or you know how well, did he decide on the army? His his grandpa was in the army. Okay, um, gotcha. and his grandpa. On his on, on his on mom's his side, side gotcha. was uh, in the army and in Vietnam, and so I think he just wanted to follow his footsteps. I didn't care what he did. Here, yeah. here, I, and what I told to him is, it's like get out in the world and do something, and that uh, it doesn't matter to me whether you go in the military or go on a wildland fire crew and fight fires where you yep. go up to Alaska and work on a fishing boat. I just want you to get out in the world. And actually I was concerned when he did join the military that he was doing it because he thought that's what I wanted him to do. And I told him a bunch of times and I don't, I don't know if he heard it, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, Hey, don't think that I want you to go in the military because if you go in for, for because someone else wants you to, it's just not the right yeah. reasons. And yep. it'll just wind up being a horrible experience. Luckily, it seems to be a really good experience. I don't know if he's going to make a career out of the army, yep. but um, it's it's been a great great experience for him. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're obviously too early to tell on our side, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So, I mean, yeah. so far it sounded pretty good from Basic. He hasn't gotten a call every week, so I'm assuming that you know they're they're it's either at the 
you know, the company level or whatever, they've managed to screw up because I've seen it. The nice part is, is that they have Facebook groups for all the training companies now. So you can get pictures and updates on what's going on and, and kind of keep track of them that way. So that yeah, part's been and, good. But the problem with that is you're looking at 80 shaved heads trying to figure yeah. out which <laughs> one is your son. And they all essentially, for the most part, look real similar. And you're like, yes. oh, I think that guy in the fourth row back yep. there is... He's exactly. Dying, and I can't tell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So we haven't found a picture of him yet, but you know, we'll see some at some point. So, um, so, so when you decided it was time to be done with the Navy, I mean, is you obviously could have done a couple more years if you wanted, what was kind of the deciding? No, no, you were done. I, I, I 30, 30 years. years is pretty much it. And it is. Okay. I, if I right. wanted to do more than 30, I would have had to get a waiver and sure. then it would have required that I worked at the the flag level. So I would have had to go work for a general or um, like at the SOCOM level or, or an general. admiral, yeah. Yeah. And, a general or admiral yeah. somewhere. And yep. that is like my family had already been through. Iris had been through four deployments. The kids had been through two. I, I was like, I'm yeah. not deploying anymore. I'm done. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So when did you, how did, uh, well, Let's step back a little bit, I guess. I mean, with your relationship with Iris, I mean, she and I'll let people find the other podcast where you kind of go through some of that. But you had always had used to mention you had the farm in East County. Was that always your goal was to kind of get back to nature a little bit more once you did retire? A hundred percent. Yeah. Because you had mentioned before, too, you wanted to be like a forester or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if, you, if you look at your at your Instagram page, you are going nuts with with uh, transforming your land that you're on and things like that. And that's awesome. But what kind of pushes you in that direction? I don't know. It's just yeah. something I'm drawn to. It's something I'm passionate about. I love the outdoors. Uh, and so and then the wilderness. And it's just I feel so good and so grounded when I'm out here, why wouldn't I live here full time? Yeah, exactly. Is, is, did you, I don't know, how did you find that that was where you wanted to go, I guess? Cause I think one of the things that we struggle with, I mean, we know that we were called to kind of to take this route to travel with our boys for a few years, but I think a lot of people struggle with finding their place in the world. I mean, maybe that's kind of a little metaphysical or a little, little, I don't know, woke or something like that. But I think people struggle with that kind of crap. And, and did you always know that that's where you wanted to go? Or is it just a matter of, did you have to kind of figure it out? No, I always knew that I wanted to go here because, you know, when I was a kid and we would go to get out of this, wherever we were living and go camping, which we did quite yep. frequently. I was okay. like, oh, in the mountains with trees and in the forest, this is where I want to be. Awesome. This is where I want to be 100% of the time. Now, Iris grew up, you know, in a super rural area. I mean, she was off the grid. I don't think she even had <laughs> electricity until yeah. she was like 12 years old. Wow. So she was able to like execute. I, if, if it was up to me, because I just didn't have the, the experience, I would probably live closer to town and be like on a five acre property surrounded by a ton of other five and 10 acre properties. Not sure. Out where we're at right now, but this is just this is where I, I we're super happy here. This is where we need to be. What, what's the nearest town, or, or what? How big is the nearest town, and how far away is it from, from so where the you kids are? go to? The kids go to town that's in a place ten minutes from where we live. Okay, and it's about five hundred people. 
Okay. <laughs> and then the nearest big town is 5,000. Okay. And that is a 45 minute drive from here. And that's where like, you know, the Walmart is and, and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. If I want to go to Costco, it's a two and a half hour drive. Sure. I want to go to Home Depot. It's two and a half hours. <laughs> um, there's, there's smaller hardware stores, closers and, and nurseries and things like that. And the, the town sure. is about 5,000, you know, sure. so same people, yeah. same, same population as an aircraft carrier. Yep. Awesome. So from here, I mean, you're still working with Jocko with Echelon Front. What do you do for Echelon Front as part of your, part of your, your job there? So at Echelon Front, what we do is we solve problems through leadership. And any problem that you're having in your life or at your business is a leadership problem, period. It is. So we help people apply leadership and extreme ownership to solve their problems with businesses. And so I go, I travel to go do speaking engagements and leadership workshops with business. We also engage with businesses over an expanded period of time and, mm-hmm. and do that. And so that's what I do. And, and so the beauty of that is I can live anywhere I want. Sure. Um, now, of all the echelon in front, in front instructors, I live the furthest from an airport. Um, sure. and, and traveling is kind of a challenge, but when we laid out the pros and cons for living where we do, we, you know, it was like that, that two and a half hour drive to the airport wasn't that big a deal. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I was going to go into contracting because it's fairly, it's lucrative. And, mm-hmm. You're and talking so military, was, security, yeah. contracting, stuff like that. You know? Yeah. 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 Yep. And I was going to do that when I retired because it would give us the freedom to live wherever we wanted. Mm-hmm. But I was going to have to do two months on, two months off. Yeah. Yep. It's a ridiculous amount of deploying. Yep. Um, and it's not really getting home. And so now I have the freedom where I travel. You know, I'm probably on the road uh, a week out of every month um, okay. in two or three day chunks. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. How does it feel when you see the light kind of come on at the companies you go to? Does that, is there usually a point where the lessons you're trying to teach sinks in for somebody? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's incredibly inspirational. So a lot of people will, it shakes the tree enough Mm -hmm. that you get a good percentage of folks that are like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And then they, (laughs) they're, they're get on the same, we call it the path. They get on the path, just making themselves better. um, Instead of waiting for someone else to do it for them, whether that's your, favorite politician or whatever they're like no i'm going to get this solved myself and they they start doing better and so that that's immensely rewarding and i think the thing for me after going through extreme ownership is i is it was how else can i apply this to my life you know how where else can i is it just is it just my it's not just my business it's not just my relationship with my wife it's everything that i do and myself and and i still suck at it sometimes i still screw up but what else can i do to to take this into into different areas of my life you can't find you cannot find an aspect of your life that it doesn't apply to yeah yep yep exactly so what is what's your what is the rest of your year look like uh do you got some musters coming up so the musters are echelons big in-person gatherings. I'm assuming you mm-hmm. speak at those as well. Um, I do. I, yeah. I speak for like 30 minutes on the second day, just talking about the importance of training. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, uh, yeah, we got one coming up in uh, April or excuse me, October in okay. Nevada. So we've got one okay. coming up and then we're, we're getting our 2022 schedule done. Uh, I've got several engagements throughout the end of the year going into, we usually get pretty busy in October and November yeah, and then early December as well. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to step back to your kids just a little bit. You mentioned you got mm -hmm. a, a son that's nine, a daughter that's eight. You ten. wrote, or 10, so 10, I'm sorry. Yep. Um, you wrote a poem for your daughter a while ago um, that kind of showcased what you wanted her to be. And I, I forgot to get a copy of it, but it was- I, you I, I have it pulled up on my phone. I'll read it to you here in a second. Awesome. Yep, that would be Fundamentally, awesome. Fundamentally, I felt like I no one else had put out really good guidance on how to parent a daughter, especially mm -hmm. how to be a good father to a daughter. And yep. there was a lot of stuff out there that I just didn't care for, like the, the concept of like, oh, when she turns 16 and she starts dating and guys <laughs> come over, I, I'm going to be cleaning a rifle in the living room or something like that. And it's like, yeah. That didn't make any sense to me. In fact, it, it was kind of weird. And mm -hmm. so I really struggled with, well, what does it mean to me to be, what, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want for my daughter in the world? And, and, and how do I want to parent her? So it was something that I spent about 10 months being very deliberate in what I thought about it. And, and I took mm -hmm. a lot, honestly, from Jocko. I took a lot from Jordan Peterson mm -hmm. uh, that inspired yeah. me in, in what, what I came up with. And so I came up with kind of like bulletized thoughts um, on what, how I wanted to parent and, and how I wanted to be for my daughter. So here it is, to my daughter. I will love you unconditionally always, no matter what. Why is that the first line in, in the deal? Well, if my daughter gets purple hair, I'm not mm -hmm. going to love her any less. Yep. If my daughter has aspects about her sexuality, I'm not going to love her any less. If my mm -hmm. daughter comes home at 16 and she's pregnant, I am not going to love her any less. And, and I remember as a kid seeing girls get pregnant in high school and her parents kicked her out of the house. And I was thinking, yeah. wow, yeah. wow, not cool, mm -hmm. not cool. Um, and so that's why that's bullet line number one. It's front and center. Uh, but here's another thing. I will not pamper you. This will forge a resilience that will help you conquer all of life's obstacles. I do not intend to raise a princess, but rather a warrior with fire in her heart and ice in her veins. And so there's another, there's another aspect of, of being a man where you want to just make your daughter a princess and pamper her and all that stuff. And you're just not setting her up for life in the real world. Yeah. You need yeah. to make a daughter that is able to overcome all the obstacles that life is going to throw at her because you're not going to be the, eventually odds are you're going to die before she does. And mm -hmm. so it is incumbent upon you as a dad to make sure that she is ready to just overcome all life's 
set obstacles and that means you just don't do everything for her. Well, and it's also you want to set the example of how you're going to treat her because how you treat her is going to be the type of guys that she's going to look to, to have a relationship with. And if she's got some guy that just wants to pamper her and lock her in a box or, 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 you know, shelter her from everything, do you really want her getting in a relationship with a guy like that in the long run? No, because that's yeah. not a relationship. It's a trap. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then, so the next bullet is, and I get to that later. So okay. In, in, uh, in my mind, there's nothing you can't do, no job or goal beyond your reach. And, and by that, I mean, I'm serious. Mm-hmm. There, any job that's out there, and it doesn't matter if it's a Navy SEAL or it's a firefighter, those jobs have one set of standards. Mm-hmm. And if she's capable of making that set of standards, she should be able to do any one of those things. And if we call ourselves a free society, anyone's yep. gender cannot hold them back from any job. Yep. Period. And and that, you know, that just comes from just thinking hard about that as well, what does freedom actually mean to me? And if we if we say we live in a free society, then we we don't say, hey, girls can't do this job. Girls can't be in combat. It's not mm-hmm. now but we don't I mean, compromise our principles on the other side though, either. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That's absolutely part of the discussion there is that yeah. there is one standard and there, whatever the job is, there's one standard. And mm-hmm. when we have separate standards based on your, your gender, mm-hmm. not cool. That's yeah. not cool. And it's, it's, I, I, it, I think that's something that we will work through as a society, as we develop. So, um, I will challenge you so that you can stand confidently on your own two feet, independent and strong. That overlates the the rest of it. And then I will set the example on how to treat those that you love. So when you choose a partner, it will be someone who lifts you up. Yep. And so that that's it because my example is going to be a huge influence um, on who she chooses. Mm-hmm. Now, I was really careful that I did not select a gender when I said who you choose mm-hmm. because I, I don't know what her preference is going to be. Yeah. Period. And, and, and as her dad loving her unconditionally, I don't want her to have some voice in the back of her head thinking that she's falling short because she isn't straight. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And that's not something I can project on her. That's something that's just who she, you know, is. So, and then I will invest my time and energy in you so that when I am gone, enough memories of me will be with you in your heart to keep forever. Stand tall with your shoulders back. This world is yours for the taking. Mm-hmm. That's and awesome. that's, that's my philosophy fundamentally on um, raising strong young women. Mm-hmm. How did you turn that around for your son? So I'm working on that. <laughs> uh, I, I Love, can't wait to see I, it. I, I, so. In the next month, I'll put okay. it out. Awesome. It's, it's fundamentally different from my daughter because society as a whole, we're pushing them in the direction that this world is yours for the taking. Yeah. 
what what I am going to articulate, you know, obviously number one, I will love the, the the first bullet is going to be the same. I'll love you unconditionally, always, no matter what. Yep. Um, and then there is going to be a, a a discussion in there about allowing your emotions, um, which is something that I don't, I don't think we have a healthy understanding in our society about allowing me emotions and sadness. And, um, you know, men can cry and it's okay to cry. Now, when you, now the, the, if you say, I can't do something because I'm crying or that holds you back, then that becomes a problem, but it isn't a problem when you shed those, when you experience those emotions and let them go, because if you just pent them up, they manifest themselves later in anger and that's just not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of that with my oldest son uh, because of the divorce and things like that. He bottled up a lot of that stuff and then it exploded when he was in high school and we had a lot of issues to deal with at that point, but thankfully he's good now, but yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Every life isn't easy. Everyone and, and, and it's just like, everyone has their own obstacles to go over. We don't know what anyone's struggles are um, based on just looking at them. Yep. Yep. So, and, and so that's, I think that the healthiest way is to, when something makes you sad, allow it and then yep. try to move on. Um, yeah, I think it's a good thing we're getting away from, you know, boys just have to be tough and not cry and, and crap like that because, uh, I see it with my sons. I've got an eight-year-old, six-year-old, and then an almost two-year-old. And, uh, you know, the eight-year-old is definitely going through, it's, it's, he's a complete extrovert. And this traveling thing where we're in a new location every couple of weeks, he has a real hard time with that because he makes friends instantly. And mm. leaving those friends and making new friends kills him every time we do it, but he's starting yeah. to get used to it. But, um, but it's been, that's been the toughest part for him, I think, with traveling around the country. So Sure. What a great experience, though. They're getting to see yeah. the whole country. Yeah. And we're getting to see family that we haven't seen. I mean, I, I my uncle that lives out here in Rhode Island, I see him maybe once a year for a day. And, mm-hmm. and uh, now we're spending three weeks in the Rhode Island area. So, you know, we'll get to spend lots of time with them and, and, and he's 81 he's not getting any younger so you know <laughs> yeah sure. and you're there at a fantastic time of year i think in like two weeks the striper should start running the yep. bluefish should be there now oh, it's, okay. uh, we're gonna go dig uh, some clams and stuff like that oh, yeah yeah yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah and he is all about going out in the water and digging crap up and things like that and and uh, so what are some of the lessons let's switch to boys for a little bit with your, with your son, what are some of the things that you try to teach him on a day-to-day basis? I mean, I've seen you teaching him forestry and shooting and farming and things like that. Um, but do you have, do you have a plan for that? Or are you kind of making it up or whatever job you need to get done that day? So that he just tags along a lot of times, whatever we got to get done. Um, okay both the kids do and there's there's not a difference based on their gender on what i teach them but their interests are different sure Uh, they just completed their hunter safety my son's really interested in hunting my daughter could take it or leave it i'm like well you i want you to have this skill but you don't have to do it and she's come she comes along with me when i'm hunting and she's really 
really good out in the field. Probably she better than your son. Better than your son. Yes, because my son yeah. is, is less focused. He's yep. looking around. He's talking loud. Um, he gets bored really fast. Yep. Um, Storm is just dialed in yeah. like a laser and she but but she's not super interested at this point in pulling the trigger and and actually okay. harvesting an animal which is good but uh, I wanted to have those skills so you know it it just depends on what I'm doing because mm -hmm. to, to live you know this far out you you kind of have to be good at everything yep. so you have to have a little bit of electrician a little bit of plumber a little bit of contract you know general contractor period so I try to have them along and show them what I'm doing as I'm doing it mm -hmm. um, and just spending time together. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah. Says, so yeah. And then we had that with my eight year old, he started coming out deer hunting with me sitting in my tree stand when he was six, because Wisconsin will let you do that. And he actually could have shot something at six, but um, he got about 15 minutes into our tree stand and it's like, all right, I'm bored. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't yep. seen anything yet. Well, I just shot a deer an hour ago, so nothing's coming back, but he wanted to go out and sit anyway. So I, I kind of yeah. knew what was going to happen, but <laughs> do you do a lot of deer hunting and stuff like that out there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hunting is a huge aspect of our lives. We hunt deer. deer. Uh, I, do you have elk out elk there? In? Yes, we do. But awesome. I haven't got the elk path figured out or and, and don't have yet have access to the land so it's something that i'm going to do when i get okay. more into archery and i'm going to hunt them during archery tries right now i'm traveling to wyoming to to elk hunt oh, okay gotcha did i see that iris just posted a video or pictures of some animals uh, she's going to be carrying more often i'm guessing when she's out she had a bear oh yeah a brown bear that, and that a black awesome. bear yeah yeah uh well two so we got we put it we've two two black bears both of them were black one of them just had a lighter coat and looked brown, oh, okay a black gotcha. bear um and then a cougar yeah uh all of which which will will, will eat you yeah so usually we carry bear spray or a handgun i mean we have both have concealed carry so yeah most of the time we've got it on but then it's just like a reinforcement of that mm -hmm. decision yeah. Are you going to start rifle carrying out there on no. a regular basis or not? No, because no. most of the time they just run away from you anyway. Sure. Okay. Uh, and so it hasn't happened in this state. Usually the cougars like to eat mountain bikers for some reason. I don't know why <laughs> that is. But the last two deaths here in the States have been mountain bikers. Um, and so when, whenever we go out in the forest, we have our dogs with us. Typically they're going to smell the cougar. And mm -hmm. typically because there's dogs in, yeah. in more than one, they'll leave you alone. But it's mm -hmm. just a smart idea to have. A, why wouldn't you? You know, it's like 16 mm -hmm. ounces or it's not that much extra weight. And sure. you can we just carry. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Um, if there's if there was one place other other than where you're at right now that you could live in the U.S., where, where would it be? Oh, shoot. Go up to Alaska? No, I, no. Is that it, too far? The weather's the weather's too extreme in Alaska. <laughs> I'll go visit it when when it's nice, but sure. The long days are really trying, and then the short days, I'm sure, are not a lot of fun either. 
So uh, probably the Bitterroot Valley over in Montana, just south of Missoula there. Okay. And that was an area that we really had our eye on before deciding to come up here. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. so did everybody else. And now the real estate prices are just through the roof there. But yeah. um, it looks like a pretty ideal, ideal area. Awesome. Awesome. Um, since uh, let's kind of pivot a little bit. Um, it's September 9th today. And two days is going to be the anniversary of 9-11. Um, I'm sure for you, I think I had heard on Jack's podcast, you had just re-enlisted. You had separated from the Navy because of family issues. You had just come back into the Navy a month before. Mm -hmm. um, I can imagine that you've got some emotions and thoughts going on with that. Is that something you can talk about for a little bit? You know, I processed it. And it's what happens. Yeah. There, there's violence in the world. And when you have fundamentally different ideologies and ways of life, and one is outpacing the other one, there is going to be violence. Mm -hmm. um, and so the attacks on 9-11 were a manifestation of that violence as uh, Western, Western ideology because it offers more freedom and inclusiveness yeah. pushes other more extreme ideologies off the planet. Yep. Yep. Did you, Obviously a horrible day. Yeah. Um, yep. But then it, 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 it prop something like that was going to happen at some point. And, and it may have been much worse if it wasn't nine 11 in the two planes what what else could have been yeah. but there there was an inevitable class it forced us to deal with an issue um that we're going to be dealing with for a long time probably longer than than you and i'll be alive but uh yep. that's fine yeah do you, you think we're, we're gonna fix it what's that you know how we're gonna fix it give me a guess extreme ownership <laughs> no well that too but that raising, and people like you going raising in. strong strong empowered women True. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. It's, it is interesting to see. I mean, I think everybody, I don't know what everyone was expecting with our exit out of Afghanistan, but I think you can't, the tiger didn't get new colored stripes in the 20 years since the Taliban got kicked out. So I think it, it, what we're seeing happen since we left is exactly what we should have expected to happen. And it's only going to get worse there again. So, but I disagree with you. You think so? Or you just I don't, I don't think so here's the deal okay halfway through my my deployment to afghanistan it occurred to me that i didn't we we cannot defeat the taliban because most of the people there are the taliban it's their sure. culture and okay. so as soon as we leave unless we're going to kill them all and then what's that that's genocide that's not cool either yep. so as soon as we left which we had to because it just isn't worth the blood and treasure we were spilling to prop that place up. Sure. Um, obviously, we need to monitor it forever to make sure that there are no more attacks off of their soil, but we, we, we have the okay. ability to do that. And then we can deal directly with any threats mm -hmm. via, you know, bombs or sur surrogate forces, all these things, we have them. Yeah. Yeah. We were in Afghanistan for 20 years. And mm -hmm. in that time, there's a whole generation of women that got educations 
because we were there. Prior to that, women were not allowed to even read. Okay, I'll get, definitely and, give you that. Now there's yep. a whole generation of women that can read. You're never going to get that genie back in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, if, even if they said women can't go to school, those moms are going to teach their daughters how to read and they're yep. going to educate them. And so they're never getting that genie back in the bottle. They have to moderate some. Okay. And right now, what's going on in Kabul? There are protests. Mm-hmm. You can shut the protests down with brute force and it doesn't work on the long scale. It mm-hmm. doesn't. Yep. Freedom will, if, if you look at the timeline for, for longer than just now, it will be better than it was. We are not going back to the Taliban pre 9-11 okay. state in Afghanistan. Okay. It's not as good as we'd like it, but it's yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's worth getting all angry about. Um, sure, are there generals that might need to be fired because it happened so fast? Maybe, but that that we, we should always be willing to take a hard look at who's doing a job for us and and judge yeah. whether or not they did a good job and they made good decisions or not. Uh but I, I, that that's that's my view is that okay. we did it a huge amount of good by getting a whole generation of women educated in that time frame, and mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Okay. Well, I definitely respect your opinion, and uh, and I'll definitely spend some time thinking about it for sure. So do you know where you want to take your business within Echelon Front, within your career at, from this point forward? Do you know what your weaknesses are right now that you need to do better at, that kind of thing? I, I can see a trajectory that I want to go and, and in, in a 10 year horizon line, I don't want to travel anymore. <laughs> okay. To go talk to businesses. I just want to be traveling. If Iris and I decide to travel somewhere. Yeah. I want to continue to be involved in social media forever because I just think that it's, it's been a positive thing, you know, like on my Instagram, I've seen all kinds of great inspirational people. And then the potential I have to inspire other people is, is great too. And I don't want to stop doing that. Yep. So yeah, you know, I'm 62 in 10 years. I think I'll be traveling a lot less and that, mm-hmm. and, and you know what that might mean, mean I'm just engaging with people during, via zoom, which we do a fair amount of that national on front now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, well, you had to pivot last year anyway. Right. And, yeah. 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 So, so I think it. connectivity options, yeah, I mean, connectivity options are only going to get better over time and, and mm-hmm. that's going to make life easier and, and that kind of thing. So, well, I think uh, maybe we can wrap it up here then for now. And, and sure. uh, I really appreciate your time. Like I said, Jason, you've been a real inspiration to me and I'm thankful that you were able to make the time available to be on the podcast and I will hopefully get it out soon within the next week or so here. Um, but uh, just know that what you've been posting online has been an inspiration to me and uh, is helping me to walk that path a little bit better. There's definitely things I need to do better and can do better. Um, I think you're only human if you if you can say that. So um, is there any parting messages that you that you can pass on at all? Yeah, uh, I, I, I have a lot of friends and I see a lot of folks that are that are frustrated and they're upset and they're angry about 
Afghanistan or any of the stuff going on in our country right now. And, and I would implore you to, instead of paying attention to what the national media is saying, just look around and see what you see in your own community. Mm-hmm. Look at that and focus on that. Focus on helping your neighbors. Notice it when your neighbors come over to help you out. Mm-hmm. And also notice that their politics may not be the same as you. But mm-hmm. we're all in this together as an Americans and as people. So just instead of looking at things that are on the national level, just look around your own communities mm-hmm. um, and see oh. Oh, all the good that's there. And that's a little it. bit of that Jordan Peterson, clean your room before you fix the world kind of thing. Yeah. I, I mean that, that, and that, that's another great thing too, is, is, is look at your own, look at your own house and see where you need to improve. And I, I think that's, that's a fundamental thing that is there everywhere. But again, yeah. Look at what's going on. I bet you in anybody's community, there is a lot of good going on right now. And so yeah. don't let these 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 huge issues get you down. Yeah, sounds great. Jason, thank you for your 30, 30 years of service to the country. Thank you for the messages that you put out there every day. And uh, hopefully uh, I can we can reach some people with us and, and get them to start improving their own lives. So. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Tony. Yep.